I think this would be true for many of you that are here today. It's certainly true for me. We are coming into what is my most favorite time of the year, this stretch around Thanksgiving uh, through Christmas. There's just so many good things that often happen around this time of year. In fact, when you think about Thanksgiving, it's just four days away, and there's probably some certain things that you're excited about as it's wrapped around Thanksgiving. Some of you uh, maybe feel some excitement uh, about the fact that you're going to have a few days off from work. And you're feeling pretty good about that, even as much as you love your job and you've been begging your boss to let you work Thanksgiving Day. And they said, you've got some time off and you feel pretty good about being off from work or off from school. Some of you are pretty excited about some of the food that you're going to eat. You've got a favorite recipe or somebody's going to make this special dessert or something you're going to have. And you can't help but get a little bit excited about that or just being together with some family members or friends. I I know that... uh, I'm excited about, I'm going to make a, a, the Lord willing, a quick trip this week and hold a grandson that I've never held and uh, love on some granddaughters. It's been a little while since I've had the chance to love on them. In fact, uh, on Tuesday of this week, I'm going to uh, do a funeral up around uh, the Jacksonville area and then uh, run over to the airport there or uh, in Gainesville, I still have some flight privileges because of my stepdad. That's a whole other story. And so I can fly Delta, uh, a lot of different places, pretty inexpensively, quite honestly. And, and so that, that comes in handy. So I'll probably run over to Gainesville. I don't know that I'll show him my Georgia Bulldog credentials at that airport. I don't want to be banned from a flight or anything. But if all goes as well, I'll make a quick trip up to Illinois and uh, love on some grandkids. And there's one, and I've got to be careful saying this, because if you're a parent or a grandparent, you know that you never have any favorites. You love them all. And uh, if my son or daughter-in-law ha- happens to go back and l- listen to this message online, I'll explain later. But uh, there's one that she's sort of really uh, close to my heart right now, uh, because she's figured out how to call me on the telephone. In, in fact, in the l- last few days, she's called me twice, including last night, and that's Landry. And Landry's going to be two uh, next, next uh, month, and she's figured out, in, in fact, the first time she called me a few days ago, her mom was apparently taking a shower, and Landry had found her phone, and she was going through her phone. Kids are so smart. I mean, uh, today in technology. And somehow she got in the phone directory. And in the phone directory, uh, next to my name, is my as smart as she is, she can't read yet. But she can recognize pictures. And so she's found my name a few, or my picture a few days ago. And she just hit it. And something on her, uh, you know, on the phone told her, I guess. That she, and so I pick up. And we're real sensitive right now with everything that's happened with Brody. We're real sensitive if Brent calls or Nicole calls immediately, no matter what we're doing. We try to answer that, see if anything's up with Brody. So I picked up the phone. Uh, This has been a few days ago now, and I saw that it was Nicole, and I said, Hey, Nicole, what's up? And then I heard a little jabbering going on, and then I heard this little voice say, Paul, Paul. And I'm like, All right. This is Landry. Hey, Landry. Did you call Paul, Paul? Yes. And then she said, and she knows what this means, and I know what it means. She said, bok, bok, papa. And I know what bok, bok, papa, that means. She wants me to sing this silly song that I sung to her a thousand times now. And so I started, well, I had a little chicken, and he went laying there. So I poured hot water up, and so I go through this little song, and she just, ah, 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 bok, bok, papa. 
And uh, so last night, same thing. I see my phone, hey, Nicole, and I hear, Papa. <laughs> and so she's sort of, you know, not my favorite. I love them all. But uh, she's sort of close to Papa's heart. Uh, and so I look forward to seeing them and loving on them. And so I hope you're going to have a tremendous Thanksgiving. I really do. And what we're actually going to enter into this morning for the next uh, few moments is, uh, is a checkup. I, maybe it would be like an annual checkup that we, from this point forward, will do each year. But we're definitely going to do it today. And some of you are like, wow, if I'd known that it was going to be a checkup today, I probably would have skipped out on this. You know, I talk to people. Well, the good news, let me just say this about this checkup. You don't have to change into a robe or anything. You can keep your clothes on. Everything's going to be just fine. But I talk to people all of the time, and I'm like, you know, I have people tell me, and I can't hardly believe it, uh, Sam, when somebody has say something like this to me, they'll be like, I've never had an annual physical, never in my life. And I'm like, are you serious? And if I was seated across the table from them having a cup of coffee, or in my case, more likely, you know, at Chick-fil-A, I'd say, are you kidding me? You've never had an annual checkup done before? You mean nobody's ever done blood work on you? You don't know what your sugar levels or your triglycerides or your cholesterol, your good cholesterol, your bad cholesterol. You, you don't have a clue. You've never had a full uh, workup. You've never had an annual physical before. And if they said no, I'd be like, you know what? That may be something you want to strongly consider because it may tell you some things about your life that if you would pay attention to it, it could maybe it's in your life, give you, give you longer, more fuller life. And uh, I talked to some people. I, I, I had an, my annual skin check this past week. I do it every year. And if I've talked to some people since then, and I said to them, now, you do have that done every year, right? You do know that we live in the sunshine state, right? You do have this done. Because if you could catch some little something early, it may be good that that would happen, and that would help to maybe extend, give you more fuller life. And so I was in there having my annual skin check, and I've got a great dermatologist, and she's very thorough, and she, I mean, there's not a blade of hair on my head that she didn't lift and look under and just check, and, and then she came. I thought, I thought, all right, I think I've made it through the whole thing. She's not going to check anything. She's not going to biopsy any little thing. And, you know, I th- and then she got to the very end, and she's looking on my neck. And she says, what about this little red spot on your neck? And I didn't say it. But I'm thinking to myself, well, what about that little red spot on my neck? And then she said, I think I want to just have that checked out. And then she said, is that all right with you? And I'm thinking to myself, well, of course it's all right with me because if you see something, and she said it's probably nothing but let's just check. Is that all right? I'm like, I'm thinking, of course, sure. And I say to her, sure. If you think we ought to check it, let's check it. And I know that everything's going to be fine, but just it's an evaluation. She said, you're going to feel a little pinch. And then I felt the little pinch and I'm going to do, and I'm just thinking, you know, that's good to have that done. I'd much rather something like that happen than, you know, three years down the road, four years down the road. She say, what about this little spot on your neck? And I say, yeah, I've noticed that for about the last two and a half years. And so uh, we're going to do a little annual checkup. It's not going to be your annual workup of blood work or a skin check. It's going to be a gratitude evaluation. We're going to do a gratitude evaluation here today. And maybe it's just something that we need to do every year about this time of year when we sit around Thanksgiving and we really wonder, are we thankful or not? 
Or do we carry around the mentality that the world owes us everything? We don't, own, we don't owe anybody, but everybody owes us. And we just have sort of this entitlement mentality. And, and what we get, we're not very grateful for. And what we have, we're not very thankful for. And uh, maybe that ought to be evaluated a little bit here today. So we're going to do that for the remainder of our time for the next few minutes. And to get us there, I want to draw your attention to three verses that are going to be up on the screen that we're going to focus on, and we're going to break them down into three portions, and we're going to talk about them. But before we do, I want you to join with me, everybody, all of us full voice, I want us to read the verses that are coming up here on the screen. Here we go. Let's read them together. Seriously, we're going to read them. There they are. Here we go. Everybody read with me. Are you ready? Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. All right? So are you ready? One at a time. We need to talk about him. This is our annual evaluation. Paul says, and it's who's writing this? Paul is writing. He actually writes First and Second Thessalonians to a group of believers living in a place called Thessalonica that has actually been through a lot of hardship. And he writes to them and he says, listen, I know you've been through a tough time. I know you've had a lot going wrong in your life, but here's what I want you to know. I want you to be joyful always. And I don't think you and I can fully appreciate that if we don't understand. And I don't have time to get into it. But you trust me, these early followers of Jesus, part of the early church, were facing trials and adversity and problems and circumstances unlike you and I will ever encounter in our life. And then you've got this guy by the name of Paul and he's saying to them, hey, in the midst of it all, don't lose your joy. Don't let anybody rob you of your joy. You, you hold on to your joy. You have joy always. Now, you've got to consider not just the recipients of this letter that Paul writes to them, but the author of that. And you've got to think about everything that Paul has been through. In fact, sometimes when you're discouraged and you think that you've got a lot of problems to deal with, here's a couple of verses you'll want to check out. 2 Corinthians 11, it's not on the screen, but just start re- reading around verse 23. Go all the way down through verse 28. It's not on the screen, but I want you to listen to what Paul says in regards to his own life. In any one of these things, if you and I had experienced even one of them, we would have been like, uh, you know, this whole victim mentality, and I'm going to, you know, it's been so tragic, I probably need to write a book on it, make millions of dollars. But listen, it's not just one thing, but the myriads of things that he faced. He said, I've been beaten with whips. I don't think that's happened to anybody here. He said, I've been in danger of death often. He said, five different times the Jews gave me 39 lashes with a whip. He said, three times the Romans beat me with a big stick. I don't think that's happened to anybody here. Maybe a small switch when you were a kid. Of course, you deserved it, but not a big stick. And once my enemy stoned me, I've been shipwrecked not once, not twice, but three times. I even had to spend a night and a day in the sea. He said, during my many travels, I've been in danger from rivers, robbers, my own people, and foreigners. My life has been in danger in cities, in deserts, at sea, and with people who only pretended to be the Lord's followers. He said, I've worked and I've struggled. I've had many sleepless nights. I've gone hungry and thirsty and often had nothing to eat, zero. He said, I've been cold from not having enough clothes to keep me warm. Besides everything else, it's like, if that were not enough, each day I'm burdened down, worrying about all the churches I'm responsible for. 
And you, you think you've got problems. All you've got to do is keep in mind what Paul has experienced and who he is writing to. And he said, oh, and by the way, I want you to be joyful always. Now, we read these three themes that we're going to be talking about. Joyful always, pray continually, be grateful or thankful in all circumstances. And, and we just say, well, how can I even do that? Is that even possible? And the answer to that question is, yes, it is entirely possible, but you've got to help the, have the help of God, and you've got to have the perspective of God. And, and you've got to know something about your own humanity. You see, one of the things that we don't give much thought to that a lot has been written on is you and I are created by God with this complex web of emotions. Do you know that you are an emotional person? And some of you are saying, no, I'm not. And some of you are fired up, but no, I'm not. Okay, you're not emotional. I'm sorry. But we all are emotional. You say, well, you know, I'm not. Well, you are emotional. You may not outwardly out out with emotion. But you know what? The reality is uh, Dr. James Dobson, who headed up Focus on the Family for many, many years. He's made this statement. I've never forgot it. I've mentioned it throughout my ministry different times because I believe it is so profoundly true. And that is he talks about we're all made up of emotions. But then he adds this caveat. He says, but did you know that your emotions will lie to you? And they will. Your emotions will lie to you. Do you know that you have feelings? How many of you know you do have feelings and you do have emotions? And they fluctuate, not just month to month, week to week. Do you know your emotions can fluctuate hour to hour? That your emotions at the beginning of a day can be entirely different from your emotions at the end of the day and everything in between. And your emotions can be like a tide that ebbs and flows and rises and falls. You're an emotional person. And a lot of times we allow our joy to be uh, tethered to our emotions only, our feelings only. So if everything is going good in our life, you know how we feel? We feel joyful and we feel happy. But when we're walking through a challenge or we're faced with a problem or we're dealing with adversity, it's like our joy begins to leak. And it ought not be. It's why Paul, who had been through this enormous amount of challenge in his own life, writing to believers who were under great persecution, would say to them, would say to them, I want you to hold on to your joy. Do not be robbed of your joy. There's a brilliant New Testament scholar. His name is Leon Morris. And he's written about this a little bit. Let me just take one excerpt. You're going to see it up here on the screen. Take a look at what Leon Morris has written. He said, few things about the New Testament church are more, more remarkable than this continual stress on joy. He said, from an outward point of view, there was little to make believers rejoice. They just faced challenge. And you and I face problems, and, and we think, well, these are like the biggest problems that a Christian should ever face. And some of you, you know, some of you are like, you know what? I thought that once I became a Christian, I'd never have any more problems. Well, who told you that? Who told you that? I've never told you that. I have never one time in 11 years that we've been here at Lakeside, I've never stood up and said, here's what I want to promise you. If you will come to Christ, if you will give your life to Jesus, if you will bow your knee and invite Jesus to become the ruler and the leader of your life, you're never going to have any problems. I've never said that. And I never will. In fact, I've told you otherwise. I said you will have problems. I've said to you, you're going to have problems until you get to heaven. As long as you live in a broken, messed up, dark world that is out of sorts, you're going to have problems. But the big difference is now you have a God that walks with you in the middle of your problems. And you don't have to walk through those problems alone. Never again. 
And you can be joyful always. And you're thinking, well, how can I be joyful when financially my back is against the wall? I don't even know how I'm going to make ends meet throughout the holiday season. Or spiritually, I'm bombarded. You may be thinking, you know what? I'm at a time in my life when I'm being severely tempted or my faith is being tested. How can I maintain joy? Or relationally, I have so much pain going on in my life and I'm losing the sense of, of being hopeful. Or maybe you're a person that says physically, I've just suffered the threshold of pain in my body. It's been so enormous that discouragement is now knocking on the door. What do I do? How do I maintain joy when all of these things are going on in my life? And here's what you've got to remember. You've got to remember that God himself knows what you're going through. But more than that, even in the midst of your challenge, you're held safely and securely in the strong hands of God. I've told people this so many times, and some of you need to hear it, although I state it corporately. Uh, I, would, I would say this to you personally. I would look into your eyes if I've done to scores and scores of people and remind them of this reality that there is nothing that will ever touch their life without first having to come through the hands of God. It can. It's impossible. In my devotional time for the last good while now, for the last uh, three or four weeks, I've been just hanging out New Testament-wise in the book of Acts, Old Testament. I've been rereading, and I've read it so many times, the story of Job. Man, you talk about a guy that had problems. There's a guy that had problems, and you say, well, you know, let me tell you what, what additionally was added to his problems. You need to read Job sometime if you've not done it. In fact, if you think you're having a bad season in your life, go, go read Job. And you say, it's not so bad. It's like Paul. Go read Paul. Go read Job. And not only did Job have all these negativities occurring in his life, he had friends that weren't very encouraging. Some of you have heard me say this. He's got, listen, I, I, I'm not going to be uh, harsh at all with, uh, you know, Mrs. Job because she's lost, lost her income stream and she's lost even way more importantly than that, her kids. And uh, she's not in a place where she can be very encouraging to Job. In fact, she says to Job, hey, curse God and die. That's the best I have to give you. Just curse God and die. And then he has these friends that show up. His friends are not very encouraging. They start telling him everything he's done wrong. And like, you know what? There's, uh, you read it sometime. I'm, I'm becoming reacquainted with it again. It's like they look at Job and say, hey, hey, Job, listen, if you didn't have all this sin in your life, you wouldn't have these problems. But you know what God said about Job? God said he was the most righteous man on the face of the earth at that time. And yet God allowed, but, but that's the, the key. God didn't cause, God didn't send it his way. But God allowed some negativity to occur in Job's life, but he continued to hold him in the palm of his hands. And you read the outcome of the story, and it says about the future of Job's life was actually better and more blessed than the former part of Job's life. And God knows what you're going through. And he's holding you safely and securely in his hands. And the current problems in your life are not your, your destiny. They're not your forever future. They're not your permanent destiny. In fact, I love what Jesus says in John 16, 22. Jesus said this, you will be happy and no one will take away your joy. I, love, I just love the language of that. And no one will take away your joy. How many of you know that's possible for your life? Nobody will take away your joy. No circumstance can take away your joy. I mean, you wouldn't give your kids away if somebody walked up to you and said, hey, that's a fine-looking child, and we'd, we'd like to have this child. We've got plenty of room in our home. Uh, we wouldn't let our child be given to somebody. That, that's our child. We're going to hold on to our child. 
you know, it's funny as I think about it, I'm thinking a lot, of course, getting ready to see these grandbabies. And, and I, I apologize in advance for those of you that love Disney World dearly. And uh, maybe you have, uh, maybe you have, you're a stockholder in Disney World or you love to attend. And, and I'm just saying for me that, uh, you know, at this stage of my life, I, I've, I never, for the longest time, for years, never had the feeling like, you know what, I think I'm going to take all this work that's at my desk today and I'm just going to push it aside and I'm going to drive to Orlando and see Mickey Mouse. I don't, I don't you know, I, I just don't have that feeling. I'm just like, I've, I've, I've got to go to Disney World. I've got. But four years ago, all that changed when I had a granddaughter. And now to this day, I, can, I carry around an annual Disney pass in my wallet. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan now. Fast pass, the whole deal. And, uh, you know, nobody has to tell me that if I take Kinley when she's down over to Disney World, hey, look out for her, watch out for her, don't let her out of your sight. I've never said to her, hey, baby, now that you're almost four, uh, Papa's going to give you 20, and you can walk. Hey, if you just go down about 100 yards, there's a little candy store, and you can get some and come right back to Paul. You think, I, absolutely not. I don't let that child out of my sight. I am holding her hand no matter where we go in that park. Now, why do I mention that? There's never a time in your life that you're walking alone that God is not holding your hand and saying, I'm looking out for you. I'm watching out for you no matter how tough no matter what problems you faced in your life you can maintain your joy because i'm right here with you i'm right here with you what are you going through what are you faced with you feel like you're by yourself no if you if you're in the family of god god is watching over you you're held in safe and secure hands now if you're choosing to do it your own way if you just say i don't need god i don't want god christianity is a crutch for weak people and i don't need any of that well you know what god will let you live your life independent of him it's not what he wants not his will, but if you choose to do so, he'll allow you to do that. But God would much rather take every single one of you, and no matter what life throws your way, just remind you, hey, you're in my hands. I'm watching over you. And I know this about God. God loves us even more than we could love our kids or our grandkids. That's just how amazing the love of God is. So Paul, who went through tremendous adversity, was writing to New Testament believers who had an incredible amount of problems, says to them, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold on to your joy always. Jesus said, don't let anybody take away your joy. Now, secondly, secondly, Paul says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray continually. I want you to pray continually. How many of you know that's not easy? Wave at me like that. To pray continually. Some of you are saying, you know, Pastor Jeff, I'm having enough problems with my daily devotions. Much less praying continually. But praying continually is much easier than you think that it is. It really is. In fact, I'm very excited. I'm excited about a new Christmas series we're about to get started with. I'm excited about a series we're going to start just after the first of the year. I'm going to take a Sunday uh, during that particular series, and I'm going to talk to you about how in the business of your day at work or school or whatever you're doing, how that you can still be dialed in. You can have like one ear tuned into what's going on on earth and another ear tuned into what's going on in heaven and what God is saying to you through promptings and through leadings and impressions. Do you know God is trying to communicate with you every day and that you and I can have these ongoing conversations with God? We can maintain this unending dependence on God throughout the day. Very busy, a lot going on, and yet constantly aware of His presence in and around our life. 
And that's why we can pray continually. You can pray anywhere. How many of you know you can pray even when people don't know that you're praying? You can, I've done that so many times. You can be in a place. Listen, you may be, let's take for example, I'll, I'll, I'll mention this. Let's say that you're in your workplace and you know that you need the wisdom of God. You need the guidance of God. Maybe you've got people around you, business associates, business associates, contractors, vendors, or whatever the case would be. And you're in that moment and you need some heaven sent wisdom. And you may not be able to say to these people in that circumstance, hey, listen, here's what I want us to do. I want us to join hands and I want us to bow our heads and I want us to pray. That may not even be a reality for you. But how many of you know that you can right there, you be praying all the time. They don't even know what's going on. You can be praying all the time. You can be so dialed in heaven. I've said that so much. I've been in circumstances before. I can't even tell you the number of times when a situation was presented to me and I didn't have time to say, hey, here's what I want to do. I'm going to bow my head. If you'll, if, my head, if you'll give me about 10 minutes and come back to me, I'll, I've, I've, I've just whispered to God. God, you promised in your word that if I, uh, I lack wisdom, you'd give it to me abundantly. And I'm asking right now. And they don't know I'm praying. You can pray where you work, where you go to school. I mean, they may tell you prayer is not allowed in, in school, but how many of you know prayer happens in school all the time? You can pray in your car. I've seen some of you drive, and you need to be praying a lot in your car. You really do. It's dangerous. You sh- shouldn't. You need to turn in your license. Bring it up right here after. Sir. Read this next verse with me. Philippians 4, 6. And notice language and how it's connected to what we read earlier. Let's read it. Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything with thankful hearts. Offer up your prayers and requests to God. Prayer and gratitude linked together. Look at this next verse. You'll see it again. Uh, Paul wrote what he said to the believers in uh, Thessalonica. Then the verse we just saw that he writes to believers in Philippi. Now look at what he says to these uh, Christ followers in Colossae. He says, devote yourselves to what? To prayer and be watchful and thankful. And again, prayer and thankfulness are vitally connected. That's what we're doing today. We're just doing an evaluation, a gratitude evaluation. And Paul is saying, you hold on to your joy. Jesus said, don't let anybody rob you of your joy. And how can you just say, well, you know what? I'm going to maintain, you know, this sense of joy in my life. And I think maintaining the sense of joy is connected to just being prayerful, prayerful continually. How do you ever stop worrying? I don't want you to raise your hand, but some of you are just, you're flat out worry warts. Not that you worry occasionally, you're just worried all the time. You're worried when you have problems, you're worried before the problems, after the problems. In fact, you're worried if you don't have problems showing up every now and then, because if you've gone any length of time without a problem, you're worried the next one's coming real soon, and it's going to be bigger than the last one. And you're always worried. That's not the way that God wants you to live. And I think one of the most self-defeating things that we do is we chronically worry and we don't talk to God about what we're challenged with when if we would just learn to pray continually, develop a heart that is grateful, being constantly aware of God's presence in and around our life. And a lot of times we just don't pray. We're like, you know what, I'm going to fix this. I'm gonna... You know why you're worried? Because you can't fix it. You can't fix it, and that's what you're worried about, that you won't be able to fix it. But God doesn't want you to fix it. God wants you to entrust it to him. I, I love what Hybels wrote in one of his books. Bill Hybels, I forget which book it came from, but this is what he said. He said, someone has said that when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. If I work, that's all I can do is work. But when I pray, God is working. His supernatural strength is available to praying people who are convinced to the core of their beings that God is the one 
that can make a difference. So Paul, who went through a tremendous adversity and challenge in his life, writing to believers who are under great persecution, and he says, you know what I want you to do? He said, we are going through it, but I want you to be joyful always. And one of the things he tells them how they could do that is by praying consistently. And now we come to the third and final one. And I want to just mention this in the last few moments. He said, I want you to be grateful in all circumstances. And we know that that is not easy. It's not easy to be grateful in all circumstances. I do think we need to be cautious because I hear a lot of people asking about this verse and they actually misinterpret the verse. And I think we need to be careful of the language. When it's talking about be grateful in all circumstances, it is not saying be grateful for all circumstances. You're not going to be grateful for circumstances. If you just tell me, you know what, Pastor Jeff, I've not had a good old-fashioned problem in a long time, and I want a problem. I want some adversity in my life. I want some negative circumstances to have to deal with. Well, you need an evaluation. It's not blood work. It's not skin check. It's another evaluation. Nobody wants problems. In fact, how many of you are like me? This is, this is what I think about so often. This is how I am. I'm like, you know what? From my birth date to my death date, I want to have a minimum amount of problems in my life. I want to have, I want to do everything within my power to have problems. And when I do have problems, I want them to be little bitty teeny problems. I don't want them to be big problems. How many of you are like that? I just want to go through my life and have a minimal amount of problems. And, uh, and Paul is saying, this is what he's saying. He said, you don't have to be grateful for the negative circumstances, but you can be grateful in the middle of them. Now, how can you and I be grateful? And I'll just hit this real quickly. How can you and I be grateful in our circumstances? It is remembering that God is in the circumstances with us and that he's actually at work on our behalf. Do you know that God is working even when you don't know that God is working, even in the most negative circumstances in your life. Here's a problem that we have in our own humanity. We can only see the problem. We can only see the negative problem. How many of you, your mind works like this? When there's a problem, your mind always races to the worst possible conclusion. Your mind never tells you when you hear about a challenge, what is the best thing that's going to happen here? Your mind says, what's the worst outcome that's going to occur here? But you don't have to think that way. And we can remember that God is working on our behalf. Look at this verse. This is Romans 8, 28. Many of you are familiar with this verse. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God is working in the good. One of the ladies at our church, when she first was diagnosed with cancer, her name is, is Debbie. She's in the service with her husband and friend, seated right back to my right and your left. She came up to me, and it's some incredible news. I've got an email she's already said she sent to me that I've not yet seen, but I'm so eager to read it. We, I talked to you about Debbie when she was first diagnosed with cancer and the kind of cancer she had and the kind of surgery she was going to have, and you were praying for her. A lot of other people were praying for me, and this is what she said to me today. She said to me today, she said, I am cancer-free. I'm cancer-free. Had another guy tell me that not long ago. He said, I've just had a scan done, and they're telling me I'm cancer-free. 
You know what, friends? Even in the most negative challenges in your life or mine, God is right in the middle of them working to bring. And you may look at some circumstances going on in your life right now, and you may say, there is nothing good that can come out of this. To that, I would say, never underestimate the power and the love of God that even in the negative challenges that God can bring something good out. Does that include the tough times? You better believe it. The anxious times, yes. The doubtful times, the painful times, absolutely. Because God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. And maybe what you would do is you'd just say, you know what? I'm going to do a gratitude evaluation right now. Am I a thankful person? Do I just feel like everybody owes me? Do I feel entitled? Or am I thankful? Am I thankful for what God's done in my life? Am I thankful for salvation? Am I thankful for a promised home in heaven? Am I thankful for my job? Am I thankful, thankful for the opportunity? You know, do I feel gratitude to earn the education I'm working on? And I'm thankful for all the plenty, plentiful amounts of food that are accessible to me. Am I thankful for where I live? And, and all? Am I thankful or do I just feel like life owes me or God owes me and people owe me? You know, one of the things you do get to choose in your life is your attitude. You get to choose your attitude. You really do. Some of you are saying, well, I'm not so sure about that. I think I was bad, born with a bad attitude. No, you were born with a sin nature. But you weren't born with a bad attitude. You developed that all on your own. And you get to choose. How many of you, I'm going to ask this question. How many of you, when I say the word good attitude, immediately you think of somebody that you just say, that person, now they've got a good attitude, they've got a great attitude. When you, when you think about somebody like, raise your hand if you could think of right now somebody that has a good attitude, a great attitude. Sure you can. I can too. Now I will not ask you to raise your hand on this one. How many of you know somebody that has a bad attitude? No, don't point at them. I'm not even going to look. Don't, need, don't, don't, even, don't look at No, don't point. Just kidding. Maybe the person that has a bad attitude is you. And you know what? You can change it. Beginning today. God will allow you to choose your attitude. And if you've not had an attitude of gratitude... Maybe you would ask God, even today, to do that for you, to give you a brand new attitude. How many of you know you, like, you just like hanging out with people that have great attitudes? Isn't that fun? Isn't that so much better than hanging out with somebody that's got a bad attitude? And maybe if you don't have one, maybe if you don't have an attitude of gratitude, you would allow that to change this year, right now, before Thanksgiving ever arrives. Would you stand with me for a closing prayer? We're out of time. Are your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed in this last 60 seconds of this service? If you just say, you know what? I'm not real joyful right now. I'm just not. I need to have my joy restored. I want to be like Paul said. I want to have joy always. I need my joy to return. If that's you, while nobody's looking around, just lift your hand and wave it at me like this. I want to pray for you right where you're at. If you're here today and you just say, you know what? I need to have a continual awareness of God's presence and power in my life. Jeff, I just get caught, so caught up in my work and school and the world and culture and everything. It's just like it's just beating the daylights out of me every day. And I forget God's presence and I forget His power. I forget to be aware of God's activity in my life. But I want to have an increased awareness about that. If that's you, you just sort of wave. I want to pray for you too. I want to wave for you. Then how many of you just say, you know what, Jeff? I need an attitude change. I need 
I need gratitude to fill up my heart once again. I want to be a thankful person. I don't want to have a bad attitude. I don't want to be callous. I don't want to be ungrateful. I don't want to be careless with my life. I want, to, I want to have an attitude of gratitude. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Just sort of wave it at me. Right where you're at, I want to pray for you. God, help us in these areas. All of us. God, help us to maintain joy. Joy that's not dictated by our emotions. Joy that just resonates in the fact that we belong to you. And you're watching over us. And we're held securely in your hands. Help us, God, to be aware every day, each day, throughout the day, that your presence and your powers are real at work within us. And we just always have an ear dialed into earth, but we've got an ear dialed into heaven. And we're listening. We're talking to you. We're allowing you to guide us. Help us all to have a good attitude, a gratitude. Uh, God, an attitude that's just thankful for the smallest things and the biggest things. And, And we don't just take things for granted, God. But especially during this season. And then from this point forward, that we'll be thankful people. We'll have an attitude that's so pleasing to you because it's an attitude of gratitude. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody say, amen. I love you, everybody. Have an awesome Thanksgiving. I love you. God bless you so much.